We're going to read from 1 John chapter 4, um, the first six verses. Um, if you're new to the Bible, it's towards the end of the Bible. You have Bibles in your pews as well that you can pick up. 1 John 4, verses beginning from verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are, they are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, whoever knows God listens to us, whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Good morning, church. So around the time I was graduating from college, my interest in politics peaked. There was an election, and there was finally this candidate named Ron Paul that I felt like I could get behind. He was someone who was going to really fight the establishment and really change the world. And it's not only that I just supported him, it's not only I just got behind a particular candidate that I enjoyed. But in, in addition to that, I listened to the message of the world that I'd grown up with, that I'd heard on radio, that I'd heard on cable TV, that politics is everything. And so I didn't just support this candidate. I put my whole heart behind him, my affections behind him. I battled for him, like conversations would gravitate towards being about him. It's what I talked about the most. It's just one example of the messages we're being bombarded with from the world to find some other priority and place that priority above Jesus. How many of you here struggle with placing other priorities above Jesus? Like the answer is, duh. Duh. Every day. And we live in a place John refers to as the world. He says later in his letter that the whole world is in the power of the evil one. So we live in a place, in a realm that promotes replacing Jesus with some other priority. We're bombarded with messages. We hear them day and night. It's what the whole world is trying to tell us. So with that in mind, what hope do we have that we could keep confessing Jesus above all? What hope do our children have? What hope do our neighbors have who do not know Jesus yet? You guys see the problem? There's a whole world. There's powerful. There's a powerful one ruling over it. We have to keep confessing Jesus, making him our priority, and that is very, very hard. That's exactly where John's going to go this morning in this letter. That's exactly what he's going to write to us about. So Sam, Pastor Sam, preached last week on the ministry of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit is greater than our hearts and helps us to keep confessing Jesus even when our hearts condemn us. 
Now, unfortunately, the Holy Spirit is not the only spirit in the world. There are other spiritual powers. The Holy Spirit is trying to help us, trying to rescue us, trying to keep and sustain us, and yet there are spiritual powers and spiritual enemies that are out to kill you, out to deceive you, out to destroy you. And that's exactly where John's going to go right now in verse 1 of chapter 4. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. So he's speaking with affection to this church he's writing to. And he says, test the spirits. Test the spirits. The spirits is like a mysterious term. What what exactly does it mean to test the spirit? How do you test the spirit? What is a spirit? I think we get a clue later in this verse. He says, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. A false prophet was his term for referring to someone who was a part of this church that he's writing to, who stopped following Jesus, went out into the world, and was trying to lead other people astray with him. Those are false prophets, someone who's in the world, who's trying to deceive followers of Jesus away from following Jesus. And rather than these two things being disconnected, I think they're related. Right? Spirits and false prophets go together. As far as I can tell, the point that he's making is that there's no such thing as a merely human influence. There's no such thing as a merely human influence. Every voice that's influencing you, every voice that's shaping your view of God and the world has spiritual power and influence behind it. So whether or not someone knows it or not, whenever they're shaping and influencing other people, there's a spiritual power behind them. We live in a world that's spiritual, God is spiritual, angels are spiritual, and at the end of the day, whatever message someone is conveying to us has a spiritual agenda and spiritual power behind it. Now, this is why that, this becomes so important, is because there are only two possible origins for any spiritual power. There's only two possible origins. And if you look here in verse 1, he says you want to test them to see whether they are what? from God, or on the other hand, there's false prophets who have gone into the world. So there's two different realms. There's the realm of the kingdom of God and the realm of the kingdom of the world, and they're clashing with one another. And if you read through all these verses right here, John keeps repeating himself. There's people of God. There's spirits of God. There's influence of of God. And there's people of the world, influences of the world, and influences of Antichrist. It's either one or the other. Messengers from the kingdom of God are trying to bring you life. Messengers from the kingdom of the world are trying to bring you and me death. Which means every message you're hearing, every message I'm hearing, is either there to bring me life or bring you life or bring us death. That's why John's alerting this people, be aware. Be aware, we do not live in a neutral world. We do not live in a neutral world. Everything will be at peace when Jesus comes back. Everything is not at peace right now. There's a division in the world. There's two kingdoms clashing, and they're both clawing at us, trying to get influence over us, trying to rule us, trying to get a hold of us. And so let us be aware, right, of the messages that we're hearing and that we're receiving. The voices we encounter could be religious teachers, 
but it can be so much more than that, so much more. It can include the movies we watch, the music we listen to, the art we consume. It can include the political and cultural commentators we listen to and the news that we consume. It can include social media influencers and the platforms we use. It includes the cultural uh, values of consumerism and success in the business and corporate world at all costs, above all else. It basically can include anything that is trying either overtly or subtly to view the way that you view God and you view the world. There's this guy named A.W. Tozer who once wrote the most important thing about anyone is what comes to mind when they hear the word God. And every influence is trying to shape the way that you view the world and that you view God. So John writes that we're not supposed to believe every spirit, which I take to mean don't be easily influenced. Instead, test. Try to discern what spiritual influence is behind any message that you're allowing to influence you or your family. Try to discern whether it's of the kingdom of God or of the kingdom of this world. Don't be easily influenced. Test and discern what spiritual influences there are that are shaping you and shaping your hearts and shaping your family's hearts. So then in verse 2, and verse 3, John's going to tell us how we test. Okay? So we know we have to test. We know that it's foolish not to test. We know that the stakes are high. So how do we test the spirits? Let's take a look at verse 2. By this, you know the spirit of God. This is how you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. So the test at the core of any message, what does this person think about Jesus? That's a simple test. What does this person think about Jesus? What is this influence telling me about Jesus? Right? There's only two kingdoms and there's only two messages at the end of the day. The first message is one in which someone confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. To confess is to commit to someone or something verbally. Right? Like on my wedding day, I confess my love for my wife. If someone swears allegiance to a king or a sovereign, they confess their loyalty to that king or sovereign. This is not talking about just repeating something with your mouth. Confessing is something you do with your heart that comes out of your mouth. So whoever confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Now Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is his title. It's his royal title. And it means anointed one. It means spirit-filled one. It basically means the warrior who has come from God to defeat all the enemies of God and set his people free. To confess Jesus as Christ is to confess that he is the rescuer. 
He is your rescuer. He's your brothers and sisters' rescuer. Right? There's really like two type of people at the end of the day. There's people who Jesus is just outside of them. He's an idea to think about, to reject, to critique. Or there's people who've been rescued by Jesus personally. And everyone who's confessing Jesus is someone who's been rescued by Jesus personally. And another part of the confession is that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, which means that Jesus did not just come as an idea. Jesus did not just live on in the memories or hearts of his disciples after he died. No, Jesus was a real man. He was God become a man in space and time. He really lived. He really loved. He really died. He really rose again. He is really right now reigning over the whole world and coming back. There's no neutral there, right? You can't kind of believe that. You either believe that and surrender to that reality fully or you reject that. That's what it is to confess that Jesus is the Christ who has come in the flesh. And every spirit that's from God believes that. Every influence that is from God confesses that fundamental message at the end of the day. On the other hand, every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Right? So every spirit that's saying Jesus is not God, Jesus did not come and rescue me, Jesus is not the most important value, is not from God. But if you notice, it doesn't only say every spirit that denies Jesus is not from God, right? It says every spirit that does not confess, that does not confess is not from God. And that means that not even outright denials are needed to deny Jesus. But everyone who also avoids ignores, distracts, or replaces Jesus with some other value is not of God. So we must pay attention to the voices that we are allowing to shape us because if this is true, then we are all surrounded by a system, a world system, a world culture, and world voices that are not of God and they're trying to shape us to not be of God. John says that this is the spirit of Antichrist. And we've talked about this before, but Antichrist can simply mean instead of Christ. So when a voice even talks about a good thing, serving the poor, cleaning up the environment, whatever that might be, but instead of that thing leading you to Christ, it replaces Christ as the most important value in the world, That is a voice leading you away from Jesus. Sometimes the most deceptive voices can say the best things because our hearts long for good things. But if Christ is not kept at the center, it is a voice of antichrist in the world system and trying to lead you away from valuing what matters most. So the big question I want myself and all of us to submit ourselves to and to answer when evaluating what influences we listen to is, is this influence leading me to surrender more to Jesus and leaving me more in love with Jesus or not? Is this influence leading me to surrender more to Jesus and leaving me more in love with Jesus or not? And the point is not that you can't ever talk to someone 
who is not of God. The point is not that you cannot ever listen to music that's not of God. The point is that you can never not watch a movie that's not of God. The point is that you're guarding your heart and being careful which influences you give power over and which ones you are evaluating and not allowing to come in and shape and change who you are. Do you see the difference there? So I'm not saying run away from the world. I'm not saying cut yourself off or isolate yourself from the world, but be a gatekeeper for your heart and make sure that the things and people who are shaping you more than anything else are influences of God. The Antichrist has brought opposition to the kingdom of God from the beginning. Right? The very first spirit we see in the Bible is a serpent who comes into a garden. It is a physical being inhabited by Antichrist, a spirit. Adam is supposed to test that spirit. Adam was supposed to discern that spirit. Instead, he believed it. He ate the fruit. He plunged this world into death and suffering and misery. And since then, every generation has listened to the same voice of the same serpent and experienced the same misery and the same death. When God first made the world, he gave a command to bring life. He said, do not eat from this tree. Do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The serpent said, I want you to obey me instead. I want you to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They did. Death and suffering is what resulted. And now the same serpent with the same voice in the same world influences each generation trying to bring you to obey him and the world system rather than God. John says later in his book, as I mentioned before, that the whole world is in the power of the evil one. He says here in our text that this is the spirit of the Antichrist which you heard was coming in the world that is already here already. I ask again, since we live in a kingdom that's completely enshrouded in darkness where these voices are louder than our voices, where there's more money, more power, more influence behind the voices than there are behind Christian voices, what hope do we have? Like, what are we going to do about this? How are we going to fight against the influence of the world? And thankfully, church, we have a lot of hope. Thankfully, we have a lot of power. Thankfully, we have more hope than we ever thought we could have. And that's what we read about in the very next verse. Verse 4 says, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He starts off by addressing little children. And he says, you are from God. You are from God. Which means that through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, you've been transferred from the kingdom of the world into the kingdom of God, and you are not destined to obey the world's influences. And because of that, John can say, you have overcome. You have overcome. It's a word that means to prevail, to conquer, to be a victor. In this life, you are having and you will have a bitter conflict against the world. And you will be victorious. Do you hear the confidence with which he's writing? Our enemy wants to create timid, weak, scared, frightened Christians... And John is writing this epistle so that Christians would be bold, strong, and courageous against the enemies that we face and confident. 
You ever seen the best people, the most successful people at what they do? Are they timid or are they confident? And our God wants us to be confident in following him, in making disciples, in putting our sin to death. He says, you have overcome them. Isn't it interesting that he doesn't say, you will overcome them, but you have overcome them, as if it's already a done deal. I think it's John's way of overstating his case, making his point really emphatically that the true people of God truly conquer the world. Always. It's guaranteed. His people never fail to overcome the world. Right, John has such confidence. I, I don't have this kind of confidence in myself. Like I get nervous all the time. I'm always fighting my anxiety. And John is saying, you have overcome. You're overcoming this great enemy. How can he say that? How can he speak with such assurance and confidence towards the people he's writing to? His reason comes next. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We have a spiritual enemy who's bigger and stronger than us. And yet we have a spiritual ally who's bigger and stronger than him. What John's writing about right here is the person of the Holy Spirit. Last week we heard that the Holy Spirit is bigger than our doubting, condemning hearts. This week we hear that the Holy Spirit is bigger and stronger than our demons. He's bigger and stronger than everything and everyone that wants to destroy you spiritually forever. And God has poured him out on us. This world is bad, but the Holy Spirit's badder. And so we don't have to fear. The reason why the Holy Spirit is greater than he who is in the world is because Jesus already conquered Satan. And the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit of Jesus. Let me say that again. Jesus already conquered Satan. And the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit of Jesus. Which means that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of victory. A spirit of love. A spirit of defiance. And a spirit of glorifying God. And that's a spirit that we have that's greater than anything we face in the world. Jesus defeated the fallen king in his kingdom by being lifted up on a cross of wood. Jesus won his battle by being crucified. Right? I actually thought this was so interesting. Early Christians spoke about Jesus as reigning from a cross. Most kings reign from a throne. Our king reigns from a cross. He reigns by sacrificing himself for others. Now, he was victorious by remaining utterly obedient to his father until the end. He was victorious by remaining utterly obedient to his father until the end. Adam disobeyed after one temptation. Jesus obeyed through every temptation and facing every demon and darkness there ever was. That's the victory he won. And he won the victory of dying in the place of his people to rescue them back to God. Condemned people, people without hope, people without God in the world are conquered by Satan. 
Forgiven people who know God and do not fear their sin and do not fear death have been set free from Satan. That's exactly what our Lord Jesus did when he conquered our enemy. So when Jesus pours out his spirit, it's a spirit of victory. It's a spirit of power. The same spiritual power and person that was upon Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is the same spirit of victory he is giving us. Which means that our temptations are never inevitable. You don't face a temptation. You do not face a temptation that is more powerful than the Holy Spirit right now. There is a sense in which you could never sin again. Okay, we will because there are moments we fail to call on the Holy Spirit. But it's not because the Holy Spirit's weak, it's because we're weak. And the Holy Spirit's always available to us and always stronger than the temptations we face. You can always have victory over them. There's no pornography, substance abuse, sinful emotion, or message from the world that can subdue you when you're in the power of the Holy Spirit who is always available to you because of Jesus. You can overcome because Jesus did. So there's really two applications, two applications I'm wanting us to walk away with this morning. Application one, ask if any influence in your life is leading you to surrender more to Jesus and leaving you more in love with Jesus or not. Application two, let us make it our daily habit and practice to go and be with the Father and plead to him for his Holy Spirit together. Let us plead with him for his Holy Spirit. I know some of us are feeling subdued, right? I'm speaking, you have overcome, and you feel overcome this morning. And there are a lot of different practical Things you can do to fight your sin, but nothing is greater than pleading to the Father for the power of the Holy Spirit. So let us be a community, right, where we are daily asking for his strength, where we're praying and fasting for more of the power we need to defeat our sin. And let's pray for one another, that other people in our community have the power to fight their sin. Man, I just want us to grow and grow in becoming ever victorious in our fight against evil as a community. And that cannot happen apart from the Spirit of God. But God's saying this morning, here he is. Ask me for him. I want to fill you with my spirit so that you can defeat all of your sin and temptations. The next thing John does is he gives us one final test to discern the spiritual influences that we face. Let's take a look at that final test. He says they, spiritual influencers, are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. The final test that John gives us is who listens to a voice or a messenger or an influence, right? If you want to discern whether a voice, messenger, or influence that's coming into your life is helpful or harmful, ask who's listening to them. Is it the world who's entranced by them? Is it the people of this culture that's entranced by them? Or is it the people of God who are paying careful attention? One thing I've noticed is that the influences of this world are flashy, like little trinkets or 
money or something like that is flashy. TikTok influencers, cable news and sports show hosts are flashy and they grab your attention and they pull you in. John says, on the other hand, whoever knows God listens to us, to us. What I think he means by us is those who, like him, are surrendered to God and live according to the Bible, which means that the influences of God are not flashy, not impressive. It's rather ordinary people who are living in submission to the king of heaven and earth, which means, church, that the influence I need is not the flashy influence of the world. It's you. The influence that I need is you. And the influence you need is one another. In this room, there are not many extraordinary people. However, they are the people that you and I need to get safely home to Jesus. You are the most important voices in my life because you're from God and you submit to his word. Therefore, your influence over my life is of the spirit of truth. I want to invite us to repent as a church of any worldly or sinful influence we're bringing into this community. Because it's not just affecting you, it's affecting your brothers and sisters and threatening their walk with God. I want us to repent of any worldly influence we're bringing into this community. Right? Because this means that each of our personal battles for holiness are battles for the sake of everyone else in this community. Your battle for holiness is a battle for the person sitting beside you. If we are submitting ourselves to the spirit of the world in our day-by-day life, then we're inevitably bringing that influence here. And so the best way to not only fight for your own soul, but for the soul of your neighbor and your brother and sister is to submit yourself more to the Lord Jesus Christ and be filled more with his spirit. Family, he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. We should walk out of this room so, so encouraged, shouldn't we? So encouraged. And if you're here this morning and you're not following Jesus yet and you want to come out from the evil, destructive influences that are slowly destroying you or maybe even quickly destroying you, the Lord Jesus this morning says, come. Come. Come to me and I'll set you free. I will unbind you and let you go. So please don't leave without talking to me. Please don't leave without talking to another church member. We want to see more and more people unbound, set free, and fully alive in Jesus. Let's pray together. Thank you that we do not serve a weak Savior, but a strong Savior. Because we're little children, like John writes but you are the one who victoriously conquered and filled us with your spirit. God, I pray you pour out your Holy Spirit right now on us and break strongholds of sin and deception. All of us, God, to some degree are being influenced by the world right now. And I pray that you would increasingly set us free through your power right now 
as we worship, as we pray, and as we seek you. In Jesus' name, amen.